Good evening. Our first reading is taken from the book of the great prophet Isaiah. After Jerusalem had been completely destroyed by the Babylonians in 587, 49 years later in 538 BC, the Jews were returning to Jerusalem. But upon arriving in Jerusalem, they found it in complete desolation. Its temples and all the houses had been razed to the ground. This cast a deep gloom on the joy of the people returning to Jerusalem and despair was widespread. So God sent his great prophet Isaiah to cheer and encourage the people and assure them that although desolate now, there would be great times for Jerusalem in the future, times of splendor and glory, times to be admired by the world again. Isaiah said that God's chosen people would be his delight when Isaiah utters, for Zion's sake, I will not be silent. The prophet is acting as God's mouthpiece. It is by God's power that the new Jerusalem will rise again. Isaiah is proclaiming words of consolation and encouragement and that from the ruins would rise a great nation to glorify and honor God even more than they had before its fall. Nations shall behold your vindication. The Gentiles had not respected Jerusalem or its people, but now the Israelites would see that God was with them again. No more shall your people be called forsaken or desolate. Forsaken and desolate are names of women in the Old Testament who had been abandoned by their husbands in Kings 1 and 2. As Jerusalem was during its exile by God. But you shall be called my delight. God took her back once more. She will be his spouse and his delight. It will be like a new marriage and Jerusalem will be the virgin and God will be the groom, the builder. And Isaiah proclaims that Jerusalem will continue to prosper and to grow. Although the people of Jerusalem had deserted and forgotten the one true God and brought this exile on themselves, yet God took them back to their native land. And through the prophet Isaiah, he gave them the encouragement that they needed to assume the task of reconstruction and promises them that his divine assistance would be with them throughout that time. In our second reading, Corinth was a prosperous but morally corrupt town. And by 50 AD, Paul had made some converts among the Jews, but many, many converts among the Gentiles. In today's second reading, Paul is referring to the marvelous gifts 
that God gave to new converts of that time. These gifts were common and very helpful for the spread of the faith. These special gifts ceased when the church's stability was solidly established. A beautiful quote by Augustine parallels these gifts that Paul speaks about in today's second reading. Quote, one waters a newly planted tree, and when it has taken root, it is watered no more. Some of the gifts that we heard about today are again given to us. However, they are not given to us for our sole benefit, but are to be utilized for the good of the church, for building up our Catholic faith here on earth. Reflect and consider, has God given me any special gifts or talents that I'm not sharing with his church? He intended me to do this thing. There is so much need in the church today. You could be priests. You could be deacons. You could be sisters. You could be extraordinary ministers of the Holy Eucharist. You could have a hospital ministry. You could be a lector or usher. Or you could be a marriage counselor, if that's what you think you can do well. And the list goes on and on. There are so many ministries here at St. Peter that we are blessed with that I cannot name them all. It takes two and a half sheets of paper to list all the ministries here at St. Peter. Is God calling you to one of these ministries? Remember the words. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. The story of the wedding feast at Cana is one of the few gospels that is narrated by John alone. There are no parallel gospels in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. This event probably happened only a few days after Jesus called his first five disciples. It most probably be that Mary was kin to the bridegroom or at least a very, very close friend. And she shows deep concern over the embarrassment that he will suffer if he is to run out of ceremonial wine at his wedding feast. This would have been an unforgivable breach of etiquette and probably happened this because people that had come to the wedding feast were many more than what they had expected. When Mary said to Jesus, they have no wine, Jesus replied, woman, how does your concern affect me? For us today in the 21st century, this remark may seem crude or even sharp or unkind way to speak to your mother and that he resented her interference. But the Greek word for woman is gune, meaning lady, which is a very common and respectful way to address a mother in Jesus' time. 
It is clear, very clear, that Mary did not see his answer to her as a refusal because she tells the servants, fill the jars with water and do as he instructs you to. And after the water had been turned into wine, Jesus tells the servants to take some to the, of the wine to the chief steward, who upon tasting the wine is amazed, amazed at the fine quality of this wine. And he goes to the groom and questions him, why did you save the very finest wine until after your guests had their fill of the first wine, the cheap wine? And likened to Mary, who asked her son for a special favor and granted her request, when we ask Jesus for a special favor or petition, he always hears us. He always hears our prayers. Jesus said, ask, and you will receive. Jesus did not say that you might receive, or that you could receive, but he gave us a very definite, you shall receive. Even temporal gifts will be given to us if it's in accordance with God's holy will and will not impede us on our journey to heaven. No father would give his child a cocked and loaded 45 automatic pistol to play with. Likewise, God will not give us anything that will lessen our chances of being with him for all eternity. God is the kindest of fathers, and he sees what will endanger our eternal happiness. Yet we can make our temporal needs known to God in our prayer, confident, that he will hear and grant them all if they contribute to our real good and the eternal salvation of our soul. But you may say, I have asked for many things from God and he's never answered me. These requests have all gone unanswered. Was it really unanswered? Perhaps you didn't get the exact thing that you had asked for, but maybe God had found something more useful and more necessary, something you never thought of asking for, but God knew that it was better for you, this gift that he had given you. God really does love us, and therefore, let us make our temporal as well as our spiritual needs known to him through our prayer, knowing that what we ask for, we will receive, but only if it will contribute to the eternal salvation of our immortal soul. Amen.